0: to being that differently on the elevator, to being questioned about like, you know, do you belong in this? Are, are you from this neighborhood? Are you from this area? To being having a gun pulled on me by a police officer when I was, I mean, this is like in my in my late 20s.
1: Hi, this is the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where you share stories, tips, and specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome any struggle in your life. Whether you're going through anxiety, depression, suicide thoughts. Maybe you have going through racism, bullying, whatever it is. I have interviewed 60 people from around the world on what they have gone through, how they overcame it, and how you can too. Lately, a lot of people have been joining my email list at www.teenageimpact.com. And in the email list, I provide you with tips on how you can overcome certain struggles in your life. I provide you with updates um, with blogs, Podcast I released. I provide you with stories I have gone through as a teenager, how I overcame some of the struggles in my life. I also provide you with any promotions that I have going on with my new book or with my new online course. So go ahead, join Teenage Impact email list, www.teenageimpact.com. And once you join it, you're going to learn how to become more confident and build resilience. Today's podcast guest is Mario Armstrong. Mario Armstrong is a two-time Emmy Award winner. He is an inspirational speaker for Damon John's Shark Group. He is a creator and he's a lifestyle entrepreneur. Mario's mission is to provide you with tips on how you can hustle mindfully and pursue your passion. He's also the NBC Today Show contributor. He appeared on Dr. Oz. NPR Inside Edition and he's the podcast host of Wake Up and Level Up. So give it up for Mario Armstrong as we talk about personal development and how you can create opportunities as a black teenager. Hey Mario man what's up man? Yo it's so good to be on
0: you on with you man this is really I've been waiting for this moment. Uh, <laughs> this is this is dope man
1: and we're here. Good, man. I've I've been following you for a few months now, seeing you doing some great things, and been watching a lot of your videos, and it seems like you're a natural. I don't know if you are a natural, but your message is strong, and I felt like I, I should get to know you a little bit more, and I feel like my audience would benefit from this interview.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. What you're doing is really putting in some great work. I mean, what you're doing is really helping people see exactly like how they have become who they are, how they think the challenges they had to overcome. And what we find is that so many of us are very similar. So I'm really looking forward to kind of sharing some of my story and, and, you know, helping people out, man, with giving them some direction. It's what I do for a living. Like my job is to advocate for the underdog. Like, so I'm all about like really being a good listener and trying to let the unheard be heard and then try to give them advice and strategy and tips so that they can go out and do the thing that they feel like they want to do. Or if they don't know what that thing is, help them uncover what it is they could go out and do and start to identify with that. So my job is to really help people really pursue their best self and identify what they're passionate about and then help them get a roadmap to taking action.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that that you say that because I've always felt like I was an underdog growing up. I was, I was bullied for 15 years. Not sure if you know um, in- by the way I spoke. And it's, it's crazy, ironic how it's from my biggest weakness and in, insecurity to now my greatest gift I provide to people. I want to know who Mario Armstrong was before the whole media and before the Emmy Awards. Yo, can we... As a teenager, who, who were you as a teenager?
0: Yo, before, yo, before we answer that, can we can, for, remind... I'm going to forget the, your question. And okay. I'm doing it on purpose. You said something... That was so important right there at the top of this thing. Like, we're all, you're already coming out with heat right off the bat. Let me, let me break down what you just said. <laughs> you just said that you had been bullied for 15 years. 15 years. Let's just, let's just think about that for a second, people. And then he said why you were bullied. You said you were bullied because of how you speak, right? So the very, one of the, one of the few ways that you have available to you, you're gifted with, is the ability to speak. Some people can't talk. So mm-hmm. you have this gift to speak. And that one thing that you allows you to talk, you're being bullied over because of how you speak. And then just stop there for a second. Now think where you are right now. What number of interview are you on right now doing this series? You are my 60th. Stop right there. 60th interview, people. And guess what he's doing it with? His daggone mouth. His damn mouth. The, th- the same thing. I'm going to bring a point to this. The same thing that he was bullied over is the exact thing that is actually giving you a superpower right now. But we don't see it like that. When you're getting bullied, you feel shamed. You feel bad. If you don't have a strong support system around you, you don't, you don't understand what's happening. You feel attacked. So then what you do? You become quiet. If, 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 the, if the thing is, oh, well, then I won't talk as much. So people don't, won't be able to laugh at me. So I'll be quiet in the classroom. I'll be quiet when I'm talking. You'll, you'll find ways to try to avoid the thing that people are bullying you over so that you don't get bullied. It Mm -hmm. is a human reaction that is natural for you to try to have avoidance over something that is bringing you pain, especially when you don't have a result or you don't have a a, a solution to get to a result because nobody has either taken the time or shared enough different ideas with you for it to work out. So I'm saying all this to say that everybody that's watching this right now, you just heard him from the top, from the get, say the thing that he is been bullied over is now the damn thing that he is doing and he's getting and i'm not trying to say i'm big deal but he's getting people like me and others on the show and it's all about him talking yes you understand what i'm saying so really what i'm saying to people is right off the bat the very first key that you need to take from this is whatever you have and i say this as a quote whatever you've been bullied over in the past is typically the one thing that is your uniqueness that will become your superpower in your future. The challenge is this. Can you take the pain and find a way to turn that into a positive? That is a tough road to go down. But if you can start with small steps of big courage, you will find that if your hair was the thing that you got picked on, if the way you walked or the way you talked was the thing you got picked on, that means you are unique. That's not why you're, it, they're picking on you because they don't sound like that. They don't look like that because you don't conform to what they feel is like supposed to be the, not, the, the norm. So guess what that means? That means that's your uniqueness. And if you can step into your uniqueness sooner, the faster you start to really identify with who you are at the core and that you don't start worrying about being judged, you don't start worrying about whether people like it or don't like it, you're not addicted to acceptance anymore. Because you're like, "Yo, that's me." And I don't care. And then you know what's going to happen? Once you start to adopt it and accept it, you're going to gravitate people that want to bu- that that really want to rock with that energy. You're going to people that don't want to rock with that energy. They're going to find themselves getting isolated or they're going to keep coming at you in a negative way that eventually their negativity isn't, isn't being heard by you anymore. So then they got to go and they got to go and find somebody else to go and drive that towards. It's crazy I, that I, you. I, bro, I just had to like hit that home for a second. Cause it amazes me that the thing that you were bullied on and picked on, you're now 60 interviews deep on that same thing that people would laugh at you about. So it's. Pr- it- do if you can lean into that that
1: you could have success just to build off of that it wasn 't just the sixty interviews um, I, ha- I had to build my confidence in the past five to six years in order to even start interviewing so the The biggest key is to take action uh, i wasn 't perfect at first um, I, I had a lot of flaws and still do have flaws. But it's all about small improvements every day. And those small improvements will happen yep. through massive action.
0: Yo, that's it. If you're stuck, he just gave you another jewel number two. Come
1: on, people. We're we, we, we
0: not even 10 minutes in. <laughs> jewel number two. If you're stuck on anything, I don't care what it is. You feel depressed and you don't want to leave your house. You want to stay in the bed. Like, I don't care what it is, okay? And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's super easy. Yo, just change, just, 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 just man up and it's going to be. No, this stuff is, is very heavy and very hard to deal with. But what I am going to say is he just slipped another one. If you could take a small step, the thing that beats procrastination, the thing that beats laziness, the thing that beats fear, the thing that beats depression, the thing that beats anything that's really kind of holding you back is action. If you can take any kind of action, that is going to slowly erode the thing that is holding you back. And then the only other thing I would add on to that is every week we do a thing around our household where we ask everybody, what are your three wins for the week? Doesn't matter how small or how big they are. And what we're doing is on purpose. You're creating a practice of being grateful for like the small wins that you're getting because we're wired neurologically wired to pay attention to bad news and neurologically wired to understand all the things we haven't accomplished yet but what we don't do is look at how we can use what we have accomplished as motivation to get to the next week. And so if you can break down your life or your dreams or your ideas or your challenges into like what he just said small steps of action and then every week Look back at your week and be like, I did send that email. I did go outside. I did. Go, I did uh, speak up in that particular situation. Those are wins. You don't have to be like, I want an Emmy in order for it to be a win. Is all I'm mm-hmm. saying. Like you build up those small wins, and then eventually, one week, you're gonna be like, I did get sixty interviews. I did get that dude on my. Show. You know, you're gonna get there. So, I really love that that second jewel right there because it's a really important one. That action will always beat. Everything else. Because if if you take the universal law that we were all taught in school, every action will get an opposite or equal reaction. And it's true. So, whatever energy you decide to put out, you're going to get a reaction that's equal or opposite to that.
1: Mm -hmm. And Mario, you, before the Emmys, before the media, I want to know what some of your struggles was as a teenager. I know one of them you said, You didn't really enjoy high school. And why was that? Yeah, man, it was, um,
0: it was a weird, it was just a, you know, I I didn't, you know, what bothers me to this day, man, is like, I didn't understand the power that I could have probably had for myself if I wanted to switch schools. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like, oh, this is the school I'm going to. I just got to go to it. Like, it never dawned on me, like, yo, is there another school that maybe I could go to? And 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 it's not to say that the school was like horrible. It just wasn't really like fit for me. I just didn't seem to fit in. I I was a kid that was constantly looking to kind of be accepted. I was a kid that had curly hair, um, thin. I'm only five seven and a half. You know, me too. (laughs) You know, you're short when you when you put in halves because you try to take everything you can get. So I'm like, I think
1: I think I'm like. I round up, I think I'm like five, six and three quarters <laughs> yeah, see? I round up
0: to five, seven. <laughs> But all, but only people that like worry about that, start doing fractions with this height. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm like five, seven. Right. And so I'm a small thin guy with curly hair, man. I used to get picked on all the time just because I was just an easy target. And so I had to try to find ways. I felt like I was constantly being a chameleon, constantly trying to adapt and, and, and fit in in some way and, fl- and and be flexible to try to try to assimilate into some manner to try to figure out who I was. And I knew I was a people person, I knew I liked to be around people, but I also didn't realize at that time how much I was trying to be a people pleaser because I was trying to get accepted and be a part and and I remember getting cut from the from the from the basketball squad. And when that, did, you know, I thought I was, I thought basketball was going to be my way in. And when I did tryouts, I remember like not being recruited to come to that school. And that was a school that you would get recruited to play ball at. So I was like an unknown that showed up at their school that had skills. And they were like, oh man, this is a bonus. Cause we didn't even recruit this kid. We didn't even spend any time to find him and he can ball. But what happened was long story short, the kid that did re- get recruited that was in the same position he came from, a, he came from a, a, a tougher upbringing of playing ball than I did. And he realized that, wait, this dude that wasn't recruited is being looked at by the same coach that I was recruited by. And so he felt that his position might be in jeopardy. And, and, and honestly, he probably had more to fight for than I did. And I just didn't understand why he became so aggressive. So what happened is since he got so aggressive with me, I started acting out. And what that started showing was like a bad attitude. And Mm -hmm. then my bad attitude was starting to get up to the coaches and the coaches was like, yeah, you know, we're not going to have you on the squad. And so again, it was like me trying to fit in and right when I thought that I was going to make a name for myself or right when I thought I was going to have an identity or be able to fit into something, you know, I get sidetracked from it. And I just think that, You know, during those times, man, it was tough because I remember wanting attention so bad. Like again, just to be heard, so bad that I was like, "Oh, I wonder if I try to attempt suicide will you pay attention to me then?" I wonder if um, you know I go out and like smash my ride and I'm in the hospital or smash my you know mother's car. Would, Would you would you come see me in the hospital? Will I get attention then? I did not have the clarity and the wisdom to understand that I was reaching for acceptance so bad and so deeply that I was actually having thoughts of how to injure myself in hopes that it would bring the attention that I would like to get. And what made you? Because I came from a family that didn't give me love. That's what's even crazier about this. Like my family gave me love they would probably be shocked to hear that I even had some of these thoughts right now, but it gave me the love. It, it wasn't anything about the parents. It was about when you in high school, man, yo, your parents are your parents. You're trying to figure out your peer groups and you're trying to fit in and you're trying to understand who you are. And so that was, that was my world and that was everything. And so in that sense, I felt like there were a couple of people that understood me and there were a whole bunch that
1: did. You said you have thoughts of suicide. They were just thoughts in your head uh, because you wanted people to pay attention attention to you what had you to stop and not actually pull through man there
0: were a few things one i knew i guess i knew internally that there was all there's always a solution to a problem even if you can't see it there's always a solution to a problem. That was one. And I knew that that solution could be finite. Like that, that, that there's no coming back from that solution. Mm-hmm. That was one. Two, there was the element of faith. Like I, be- I did believe in myself, even though that I was being bullied about stuff, I was like, yo, but I can hoop. Yo, but I'm smart. Yo, but I'm creative like I still knew that I had some gifts. I didn't feel like I was like completely giftless or that I wasn't paying attention to stuff that I could actually do well. And so I felt like, oh, if I could continue to maybe just take that energy that's negative and and put it into something that would just keep me distracted from that negative energy, but would be positive, that maybe that will give me some better outcomes. And then I think the other thing is like, um, what, talking to people. Like I literally started talking to a few friends about these, I, about these dreams and about these thoughts and like how I would go about doing it. And remember seeing some of them being completely shocked. Remember some of them being like, oh, you too? You had those thoughts wow. too? And then, and then having that exchange opens you up to realize that number one, I'm not alone. And number two, well, damn, maybe we should figure this out together, man. So, like, forget trying to be with everybody else in the world. Who's the one or two people that you can just rock with closely that really know you and just be happy with that and focus in on that? Mm -hmm. That's what's
1: ultimately saved. That's powerful. That's powerful. The Black Lives Matter movement has been going on, for, and I think it's extremely important to touch base on some of that. To inspire the black teenagers who feel like they don't have as many opportunities that other people have, or they have to work 10 times harder than yeah. everyone else. What were some of the struggles you had to overcome growing up as a black teenager?
0: Man, you, you know, everything from overt racism uh-huh. to, to being called, you know, N word to getting in fights over it to being looked at differently on the elevator to being questioned about like, you know, do you belong in this? Are, are you from this neighborhood? Are you from this area? To be, having a gun pulled on me by a police officer when I was, all, I mean, this is like in my in my late 20s. Wow. Having, having, a, having a police officer literally pull their gun out on me um, to, on a separate incident, being maced by police. You know, I've seen the brutality up front and up close and have had to deal with it. Um, and the Black Lives Mo- Matter movement, you know, it's been, it's been out there for some years, you know, going back to Ferguson and, and stuff like that. And, and what you're seeing now is that – here's one thing I do want to say. Look, black people of color – let me, let me say this first. Every single human being on this planet has a gift and a role that they're supposed to play in a positive mm-hmm. way. Whether or not they choose to exercise that right for whatever reasons – that's their karma, not mine, right? So as people that are trying to level up, as people that are trying to fight injustice, as people that are trying to um, get better equity and balance out the inequality, because for, for centuries, people have treated us less than, people have treated us three-fifths of a human, people have treated us like we're subservient to a bigger culture. And I'm not just talking about African-American. I'm talking about all people of color mm-hmm. have been treated this way in some way, shape, or form. And what I'm saying is right now, the momentum is so big because people have finally come, certain groups of people have finally become awakened by the stuff we've been complaining about for, for decades and centuries, thinking that it's not true, thinking that it only happens every so often, thinking that, oh, in order for a person to act that way towards you, you must have done something to, to make them do that. Like, no, now you're seeing straight up the abuse. The systemic racism, the policies that have been put in place, the redlining that has taken place in our neighborhoods, the stacking up of people in poverty and all of these conditions that have been designed to make sure, you know, James Baldwin said something um, super, super important. And he said, uh, he said, why is it that the white man needed a Negro in the first place? Why, Why did you even need a slave in the first place? Like, why couldn't you just come on over and, you know, acquire your land, get whatever land you want to get and start building your own railroads? Like, mm-hmm. what, but, but, you, but we now know why, right? Because they wanted to have a subservient culture that they could control that would be under them that could do the hard work to build things that they didn't have to build. And by doing so, that levels up your ability to have power, your ability to have influence and your ability to have control. So if people don't want to face that reality, I can't change your mind on that. But that's the truth. That's, that's what we're talking about here. So what now, if you fast forward, you'd be like, oh, well, I don't have any relatives that, you know, I'm not a slave owner. I didn't do that. That doesn't matter. The point that you even have that type of argument means that you're not even willing to learn about the other side's issues or challenges. Mm-hmm. And so all I'm saying is right now, there is an awakening. There are people that do want to do better. There are humans that are like, yo, how do I be a better ally? Like, I didn't realize that I was actually ignorant to the stuff you were going to. It took a man to be on TV with another man with his knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds for people to realize, oh, this stuff really does go down like this? So George Floyd's life has has lit a fire, I'm sure, you know, well beyond what he may have ever thought that his life was going to ever produce. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's transformative what his life has now produced. And all I'm saying is, as we look at the Black Lives Matter movement, as I think about all the aggressions that have happened to me and still are going to be happening, because this stuff isn't going to get easy, people. This isn't just a trend and a hashtag. If we don't take this momentum and continue to keep our foot on the gas, your generation is going to be repeating the same damn thing. And all I'm saying is, right now, I think there's three steps that people kind of should think about. I, I don't think that my advice is always end all, be all. I try to be very mindful and I try to be rooted in my my um, my spiritualism um, both on the Buddhist side as well as on the on the Christian side to kind of really focus my my advice and guidance to be very uh, unattached and delivered in a way that hopefully can really make a difference and so those three tips number one would be if somebody of another race asks you what it is you're going through or how they could be better, some of us have this quick reaction of. Well, go do the research yourself to go find out how you need to be better. And what I'm asking for, number one, is patience. I'm asking for patience from us, and I'm asking for patience from people on the other side. Mm -hmm. Because as people try to learn something, you're going to trip and fall. As people try to learn something, they're going to ask the wrong question or say something the wrong way. But if they really genuinely are trying to change who they are, and they really genuinely are trying to be better about the movement, then it, it, it's, it is on us. And I know that we already carry enough burden. It's like, yo, I feel like we already got to like carry the burden. We've been carrying the burden all this time. Like, so now you're telling me I also got to tell them what to go read, what to go watch. Like, yo, I'm not doing, like I get that feeling. All I'm saying is there are certain people that aren't sincere and they're going to say, what, what should I watch? And you know, they ain't going to do it. And then there are other people that are sincere that are like, yo, seriously, Mario, I, I don't, I need to know how I can be a better ally. And I'm like, you know what, based off of what I've seen you do in the past, you are a good human. I believe that you're sincere. I'm going to spend some time trying to show you so that you can now go tell 10 other of, of, of your other people how they can start to be better allies. And so I just think that patience is one. I think that commitment is two, that this is a long-term process uh, that we need to stay committed to. And whatever your mode of action is, I think the third thing is take action, whether that is, Uh, voting or whether that is going out and being in the grassroots whether that's taking it upon yourself to educate people on the issues whether that's joining a local movement in your neighborhood and volunteering whatever it is just take some action we can't let the pressure up and it's not going to take one thing to change it it's going to take a lot of things running together in order to make this change happen so i'm excited about the movement man but at the same time you know I stay suspect. I keep that one eye kind of like, you know, looking to make sure somebody's not trying to play somebody. Um, But I feel like, you know, in this space, man, I have an opportunity to advocate, especially since I've been through some of the experiences that a lot of people don't haven't had to experience. They haven't had to experience the fear of being pulled over. They haven't Mm -hmm. had to experience um, somebody trying to jump you just because of your skin color. Like they Mm -hmm. haven't had experiences. So I know what that's
1: like it's crazy that you're saying that i'm i'm sorry you had to go through that you know i experienced a lot of racism and prejudice growing up as an indian pakistani and i'm jewish I had a lot of hurtful things said to me but i i can never put myself in the shoes where i felt like my life was in danger mm-hmm. and i had and i had opportunities given to me i, I always had to work hard But there were some opportunities that I'm grateful that I had because of my skin color. With you, on the other hand, you had a gun put on you for no reason. You felt like your life was in danger. Yeah. People were judging you without you even having to do anything. And that's something no one should ever have to go through, regardless of their skin color. But what would you tell someone if they are in that situation, based off of your previous experience, What can they do to mitigate those situations?
0: This is a deep question, man, because, you know, there's this one answer that says, yo, I can teach you if you're open, I can teach you how to play, play them. I can teach you how to play them so that you can survive. Then there's this other answer of why do we still have to play people in order to survive?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't want
0: to do that, Mario. I'm not giving them my ID. We see a lot of things and there's going to be a lot of people that can feel on both sides like they're going to be maybe adamant about one side or the other. Here's what I can say. For me personally, it's just from my experience, for me personally, what I found is when I've been either pulled over or pull or, or in a situation where it could escalate really quick, my immediate mode isn't to try to figure out how I can talk back. Or how I can complain, even if it's foul. My immediate mode is how am I how am I getting out of it? So mm-hmm. I would say the first thing is it's on you whether you want to argue with someone that's already made a decision to do something, or you can try to figure out and use that energy for how am I going to get out of this situation? Because don't worry, I'm going to take down the badge number. I'm going to pay attention to the name, and I'm a, I can come I can always come back around to that. I can always come back around to that if I really want to get serious about filing a lawsuit or doing something. I can always come back around to that, but I can't come back around to it if I'm just angered by the fact that they pulled me over and now I'm just bitch and that's escalating the whole thing. So I would say, number one, look, I'm not trying to say, yo, just just comply and just be a good little black child and just, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there are people that are going to be unjustified, in trying to put you into situations. And if you wanna try to survive those situations, then it's your job to try to get, from my opinion, your job to get psychologically smart on how you play them so that you get out of the situation. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing is, you know, even though a lot of times people would come at me with disrespect, I would still try to show them, not necessarily respect back, but I would still try to show them that their disrespect didn't automatically throw me into an, an a, a, um, aggressive state of mind because the trick is they want to, they want to fool you. And we're, I'm speaking right now about police abuse. so Cause that's, that's what I imagine. Like if uh-huh. you talk in this situation, you know, the trick is you're resisting arrest and as long as they can say resisting arrest, which is basically code for you're acting out of line. And it's given me legal justification to do something to you because I'm saying that you're resisting arrest. And so I'm trying to avoid you even being able to say those words. So before you pull me over, guess what's already happened? My car light inside of my car. I got tinted windows in my car. My windows are down. I know some people be like, yo, you're tripping. You don't have to do that. It's your call. I'm telling you how I survived. My windows are down, at least enough for, for them. I turn the light on in my car. The windows are down. And before I pull over, I've already gotten out my, um, my, my, uh, my driver's license and I've already pulled out my registration before I'm pulled over. So as I'm pulling over, I'm grabbing the stuff just so there's no reaching. For no <laughs> See what I'm saying? I mean, I know another friend of mine who literally will pull over, do the same thing I do, put everything on his lap and put his hands out the window. I, ain't, I don't go that far, but he goes that far. So, But you shouldn't have to do that. This is the whole point. And this yeah. is why people are pissed off. And this is why, and this is why it's not right. Because here again, like, yo, so you telling me I have to assimilate and, and be, you know, uh, you know, do all these steps in order for them to just act and do their job the way they're supposed to do their job? Like it's ridiculous.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so I get the backlash to that sentiment. But you asked me how I've survived. Now, will I would I do that today? I'm. You asked me how I survived. Would I do that in today's climate? I think I'd be a little bit more. I don't want to say aggressive, but I think I would be a little bit more forceful in holding my ground because of today's climate. But I still, look, I got somebody to live for, man. I got to live for my kid. I got to live for my wife. I got to live for people that are expecting me to, live, to deliver content that changes their life to help them do better. So I got reasons to live. Doesn't mean I'm justifying what they're doing to me. It just means like, if you do something to me, I'm not going to forget that you're doing it to me. And I know other ways that I can handle it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to try to handle it with a shouting match with you right now. I can just simply say, okay, what are you pulling me over for? Well, you have to tell me why you're pulling me over. Okay, now you give me a BS reason. You know, that's a BS reason that you're pulling me over for, right? Okay, but give me your license and registration. I can, can I can decide to comply with that or not. But if I if I know I'm clean, and I give you my license and registration, and you still acting out, and I know I'm clean, yo, I'm going to town on coming back after you. Like I'm gonna go through the other, I'm gonna go through other channels to let you know you messed with the wrong one this time.
1: So stand your
0: ground at times. Absolutely. I mean, look. You got to be smart about doing it. Uh-huh. If you know that there's weed smoke in the car, if you know somebody's got a bottle of liquor in the back seat, then it's time for you to play them. It's time for you to be very smart on what your next steps are going to do. Uh-huh. If you know that you're clean and you know that what they're asking you for is BS, but you know you're clean, why not just give them the license and registration so they can prove to them that you're clean
1: and they better not act up because mm-hmm. you are clean. Mm-hmm. As a black teenager, they you have to work probably ten times harder than a lot of other people. Yeah, because you're probably, not given as probably, many opportunities.
0: Probably, it's definitely, because of b- bias and prejudice. But yeah, uh-huh. go
1: ahead, prejudice or
0: bias. So, its not even. Sometimes people just think that you know everything isn't just racist. Sometimes it's just like they aren't doing something that's racist. They're actually doing something that's prejudice, or they actually just have a bias. And they don't even, some people don't even know they got these biases. That's what's mm-hmm. crazy about it. Now there's overt racism and there's people that are doing racist stuff, no doubt about it. But there are like layers and levels. And so you got bias that could be subconscious and then trained over years. Like if they see a name on a resume and they decide maybe that, maybe that person isn't qualified based off their name, you could say that's racist, but it's really bias. It's racist if they have an intent to keep you out of the pile. But if they just looked at their name and be like, hmm, I wonder if this person would be good for the job. But they still put you in the pile to be interviewed. And that's not racist because they still put you in the pile to be interviewed. But it was a lot of bias because they questioned your resume versus somebody else. You could have the same skill set as somebody else, but they questioning it just because of what your name is, because that gives them a clue as to what your ethnicity is. mm mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. There are levels to this bias, prejudice, and racist thing, and a lot of people right now are acting real racist because mm-hmm. freedom is being – their freedom and their control is being super threatened right now. Huh. Right now it's jumped to, like, extremes where you do got to, like, brace yourself. You do got to really get get tough-skinned, and you do have to work ten times as hard. That, that's the truth. Like, we've been dealing with that for a long time until – we can continue to teach people about their own biases and the prejudice things that they're doing that they don't even mean to do. But because they've been conditioned so damn long, they don't know the difference. This is truly like being in the matrix and out of the matrix. For some people that have come to this awakening, it is truly like they took the wrong pill for so long and now they're trying to get the right pill.
1: Knowing that, the facts, how can you create opportunities for yourself? Beautiful. yo, your questions?
0: So good man,
1: <laughs> 60th interview. Man, the
0: questions are good man because they're insightful man and they're driving people to action. Number one, understand your skill set like, what are you good at? What are you potentially great at? Or what are you great at? Like, know that shit. Excuse my language, but like, know that mm-hmm. because it's important for you to know what your value is, it's important for you to know that. Every particular person on here is smart, intelligent, creative, and has abilities. Whether you want to recognize them or not, that's up to you, but you got them. And some of those things, like Jay-Z, came easy to him. He, rather sl- he was rather sl- slinging drugs because that's what he saw around him because he thought that was a way out or a way to make money because he didn't have any opportunities to go get regular jobs. But what came to him very easy was him rhyming, so easy that he didn't even have to write it down. But he thought that it was so easy for him to rhyme that ain't nobody really going to pay me for something that just comes easy to me. Because we're taught that you have to, in order to get paid well for something, you have to work hard at it. No, you just need to be gifted. You, you need to have hard work with your gift. You can't tell me that Jay hasn't put in hard work with his gift. There's nobody that that wouldn't say that he hasn't put in album after album and work after work and tour after tour and hustle after hustle and merch deal after merch deal. No one's going to say he didn't put in the work, but he realized that what came to him, even though it came to him easy, was actually a gift that he should be leaning into. And so all I'm saying is everybody that's watching or listening has a gift. Some of these gifts come to you easy. Some of them have to be uncovered later. But if you got a gift and you taking it as it's easy for you right now, you need, to, you need to realign your focus and understand that that gift that's easy to you is a thing that can actually separate you, keep you unique, but also provide you a tremendous amount of stability and income and potential. So I'd say, number one, understand what your value is. And if you don't feel like you got something, start working on something that becomes that value. Uh, and I would say, number two, entrepreneurship. I'd be looking heavy at how to create or collaborate with other people that are cool with me, other people that have other ideas like me that want to expand or create something bigger than them. Because if you can start to develop ownership, if you can start to develop equity in your own thing, then it really gives you more control over some of your outcomes. So I would say if you're not an entrepreneur person to go out on your own, then I would say, Go back to that first thing. What are you skilled at? What you got value at? Take that skill set and value to someone that's entrepreneurial and say, yo, I see that you you're super creative on like coming up with t-shirt design. Well, you know, I'm really good at social media, right? Like, how come you haven't started a business with your t-shirt design? You keep doodling and drawing. Your drawing, drawings are on fire. They, they, they straight fire. Why aren't we making this merch? But I don't know how to run that, but I can tell you what, I can run your social media for you and help you get sales because I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. So now you're partnering up with somebody. So all I'm saying is entrepreneurial thinking, which is really saying independent thinking, um, but also knowing what what you're tremendously skilled at and what you have value at. And then the last thing I would say is identify a necessity bigger than you. So for me, my necessity bigger than me is that I got to do everything I'm doing and then some to show my kid what's possible. So that's my, I got to go to the gym every day, not because I really like to work out. I don't, but I want to be healthy for my wife. I want to be around for years to come to be able to deliver content and and information to people that can help change their lives. Make it bigger than you. If you can find something that's a necessity, some people say, yo, I want to take care of my mom's. That, okay, let that drive you. A lot of times we use the fuel of haters to try to drive us. And that's okay if it's short term. Like that's okay if it's short term, if that ignites you. But it's not okay to hold on to that negative energy to only try to prove people wrong because it's negative. What we need to be spending a lot of time on is proving uh-huh. our supporters right. Instead of trying to prove the haters wrong, prove our supporters, the people that say, yo, you are smart. You can draw. Oh, you can, you can rhyme. Oh, you can uh, be a computer engineer. Like you, you, you can do these things like, yo, let's prove them right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's a different mindset. So I think those three things are what I would say, especially as a person of color or a woman of color that's dealing with this. Cause that's a, that's, that's got its extra stuff that layers on top of that. Um,
1: It's a lot of resilience and persistence and your ability of just not giving up. It was Kevin Hart who said this on an interview with, I think, uh, Joe Rogan. He said that your ability to consistently put in the work day after day, week after week, month after month, even after you don't get any results, that is true hard work and persistence. because eventually you do that and you're okay with doing that, you're eventually going to succeed. Something is eventually going to take off. It is literally impossible if you are
0: putting the fear gets Look, you got to use fear to focus. I tell people all the time, don't run from fear. Use fear to focus. In fact, when fear happens, what we're actually going through in our bodies is a natural neuro, neurological reaction to focusing your pupils dilate, your mouth gets dry, your mm-hmm. palms get sweaty. It's because your whole nervous system is saying, yo, I'm afraid of this thing and I, and, and I need to understand what's coming at me. So if you've ever been in a fight and you've been in a, uh, afraid, or if you've ever been in a situation when you've had some fear, you'll notice all these other things are happening in your body so that it can get you to su- super laser focus and zoom in on how to survive that thing you're fearful of. So mm-hmm. fear already makes us focus. So I say use the fear to focus. In other words, go into the thing that you're a little bit afraid of because number one, you're going to build that resilience. The only way you can build resilience is if you try stuff. If you don't try stuff, you never learn how to get back up. And so that's the biggest thing. A lot of people are afraid of embarrassment. Yo, if I try something, my friends are going to laugh at me if it doesn't work out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yo, if if I try something and it fails, what what that's going to be that's going to be rough for me to deal with. What's actually rougher? is for you to actually not do it because here's the thing you never fail in life but we've been so conditioned to only win when we went out for little league when we when we did our swimming or we played baseball we played hoops when we get the trophy it was always about win 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 your coach taught you to win we never really understood the power of how you can win through losing so therefore we're conditioned to want to find shortcuts Find quick ways to make money or quick ways to get big wins. You don't you don't come out with like Emmys because you're coming up with shortcuts. You have to you have to understand that what you're really trying to what you're what you're really doing is you're learning from your failures. So if you can replace the word fail with the word learn, then everything changes for you. Oh, when I tried launching that that clothing line, instead of saying I failed launching, no, I learned from launching that clothing line. Okay, yo, I I failed at that relationship, man. Me and her just didn't work out. or, Or, you know, the two of us didn't work out. No, no, no. What'd you learn from that relationship? Did you learn more about you? Did you learn more about your type? Did you learn about some things that maybe you haven't dealt with yet? Some insecurities? Like, what did you learn from that? So if you look at failure as not being failure, but as learning and you flip it, what happens is you end up building resilience. And resilience is nothing more than going into the gym and doing more and more curls, but the only way that you can actually practice to be resilient, you just don't wake up strong and resilient. You just don't wake up getting knocked down and get back up. You got to do something in order to feel knocked down. Mm-hmm. But then you got to get up. That's the, that's the rep. That's the reps. So if you want to do more reps, you have to try more things. You have to put more action out. You have to take more risks. The more you do it earlier in your life, the faster you build up resiliency that's going to make you super successful. Because then you realize, yo, everything I've been doing, I lean off of everything I learned from the previous experience. And that makes me stronger every mm-hmm. single time.
1: So, Mara, let's transition into kind of like the final portion of the interview. How did you get started with media? Realizing, when, I, when you asked that question about like, what,
0: what are you good at? I realized that I had a big, big curiosity, which is another key thing. Curiosity builds um, competency. The more you're curious about something, the more you will comprehend about that thing. If you're interested in history, you're curious about it, then you're going to learn more about it because you're going to retain it. You're going to comprehend it. Mm -hmm. That means you're going to become competent in talking about history. If you don't give a damn about history, you don't get grades like I did. But when I was in English class, I did really good because I cared about writing and speaking and communicating. So I knew early on that I wanted to be a communicator. And once I understood my value or my interest was in communication, then I was like, how do I do? I see people on TV and I want to do that. I I, I heard people on radio or doing podcasts and I want to do that. So then I started reading. How do I learn about that? What do I need to do? How do I try it? What, what, What do I need to do to start and not worry about Like, I'm trying to make a million dollars right now. No, I just, I just, I'm just geeking out on the fact that I'm into this thing and I'm gonna go all in on everything I can to learn about it. So, I think the number one thing that I did as an early, early age man was once I got curious about something, I would go in on my research and consume it. And I think if you do that and then take some kind of action, you start to find a path that you're creating for yourself. Not necessarily that you're going down a path that's already been open, but that you're actually creating your own path. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like for me, you know, having that ability early on to really focus in on that thing I'm curious about and then really doing the research and studying the models that are out there and other examples that are out there, gave me enough inspiration to start to try to put my stuff out there for people to respond to. Mm-hmm. And that response would then give me more direction and more clarity in of what I should do.
1: And how did you get the Emmy award?
0: award? I got the Emmy award, man. Uh I got the I got two of them right here. One of them is for best show host, so that's for like my skill as being an on-air personality, and then for an interview show. And then another one is for best show with uh, interactivity, so we did a show, the Never Settle Show, which is on YouTube. Anybody can go and check it out now. We got plenty of stuff that's on that's on that on a YouTube channel. Just go to Never Settle Show on YouTube. You're bound to find something that can a, a topic that you might need some help or clarity with. And that show is like really, really interactive. But here's the thing: so we we submitted our show. When you have a show or you have a project or a film and you're submitting for whether it's an Oscar or music for Grammy or for an Emmy for TV and video stuff, when you're doing that, you, they have categories that you can submit your stuff for. The first thing I said to the team before we even started shooting our show, we had literally just started hiring. We had about 12 people and that grew to about 25 people at the time. But at the time we had like 12 people around the conference room. And I was like holding, holding a big stack of paper. It must've been about 40 pages thick. And it was the whole Emmy submission guidelines. We didn't even know fully what the format, we knew it was going to be a talk show, but we didn't know anything else about the format. And I put it on the table and I, and I said to the crew, I said, look, I just read through this thing twice. I said, I highlighted some stuff and underlined some stuff. I said, we, put, we have a team around here that's full of creative, gifted, intelligent people. I said, we don't even know right now what we're going to do as the format of the show, but we know we want to help people and we know it's going to be a talk show. And I'm selling to you all right now around this table. We're not doing this to get an Emmy. We're doing this to help people change their lives. But we're going to go for an Emmy in the process. And I did that because I wanted people to believe that it's doable. And I wanted people to see that we're not just making a show for us. We're making a show that has to be on a, if we want to submit for an Emmy, that means we got to bring it, we got to bring our all to this thing. And that's what I want you to think about for your work, for your projects, for your ideas. It is completely doable. Look, I didn't graduate from college. I didn't finish school. The short story on college is, you know, I ended up going away to college, man. And for the first time in my life, I started getting B's and A's, like, (laughs) literally, which is crazy, right? Like, I was a C-plus student in high school. I told you, I didn't like my high school experience, right? I also wasn't a great student because I just wasn't into it. And I was probably because I was also entrepreneurial, and the only class I really did well in was English. So I was really a C, C C, C-plus student. I was bad.
1: But I was opposite. I, oh, word? I was a student, um, sometimes B, in middle school and high school. College came along, started getting C's, and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, bro, what happened? <laughs> but then I discovered that, hey, I should pursue entrepreneurship. Hey, man. And that's the most important thing
0: is to like have that self-assessments with yourself and be real with yourself. No need going into debt. You know, a lot of people should probably be doing community colleges Mm -hmm. for the first year to kind of really figure out like, yo, what's this college thing even feel like? Do I really know what I want to do? Is what you're going after a specialization? Because if it's not really specialized, then maybe you would do better by taking some courses and some certifications to be better knowledgeable about entrepreneurship. But for me, man, I went the college route and was doing well. I I knew I wanted to go to school for communications. I knew I wanted a degree, and I wanted to get skill in radio and television. And within the first year of being on that campus, man, it was in West Virginia, I was on that campus, and I had a girl in, in my English class who was a girlfriend to a dude that lived locally in the area that was a troublemaker. And he thought for some reason I was trying to hit on his girl. I don't even know how that became a thing, but I became his target. And since he knew I was from out of town, six hours away, he knew I didn't have any resources. So I became somebody he could quickly bully. And it escalated to the point. I mean, he was so, he was so hardcore, like kind of criminalistic with it. It escalated to the point where there was gunshots. Mm -hmm. And so I'm literally trying to go to college to get an education and now I'm being chased away from that campus because my parents found out and like two days later I'm packing up my dorm room and I'm gone. Like in the middle of like my this second- freshman year? So yeah, second semester, freshman wow. year. I'm out.
1: So how long, long ago did
0: you get into media? It's been 10 years. 10 years. Yeah, it's been 10 years, man. And it, it, it started off like really hustling hard for free. Like I would just ask if I could just um, work behind the scenes. Like, I was always a side hustle guy. Like, I would always have, like, maybe a daytime gig or um, a regular job. But then I was always side hustling on my, like, media my media um, pursuit or my media passion. So I'd be like, you know, can I work for free? I'll come in every Thursday from such and such time and, and such and such time, and I'll just do whatever you need me to do. You want me to be a gopher? You want me to actually work on set? You want me to to, to fold up cables? Like, whatever it is. I would just like try hustle my. I call it from free to fee because my whole game plan was, I'm gonna do this hustle as a few enough times that I get enough skill set that I'm gonna actually be able to turn this into something that somebody will pay me for.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And Mario, one last question before we end this. I end yeah. every interview with this question. What does resiliency mean to you?
0: Resiliency means. You know, so many people just say resiliency means like getting back up or it's, you know, just doing it over and like continuing to pursue. And it is all those things for sure. But resiliency to me really is self-confidence. Self-confidence. I think if you can really focus on building your self-confidence, like what does that even mean? Have you even Googled up, have you even Googled like, build my self how to build confidence, how to build self-confidence. Like if you have even done that, because if you can start doing those things, whether you hear it from me or you get it prescribed to you from elsewhere, the more confidence you build in yourself, the more resilient you become.
1: Powerful, powerful. And where can people find you and watch your show?
0: Oh man, uh, Instagram is, is like, That's where I really like get down with my community because I like to go hard in the DM. Um, So follow me on Instagram at Mario Armstrong. You can always feel free to reach out to me if you need any mentorship, if you need any advice or you're dealing with a challenge and you're like, I need somebody safe that I can talk to that will, will will listen and be willing to maybe share some advice that could be helpful. I'm right here. I'm waiting for Mm -hmm. you to hit me in the DM at Mario Armstrong on Instagram. And then the show, so we got tons of different content there on IG, but then the show is on YouTube. So just head on over to youtube.com, search for Never Settle Show, and you'll see everything right there. The last place I'd say is you could go to neversettle.tv. If you go to our website, neversettle.tv, we have a resources page that's got a ton of things that can help you. Like I got worksheets and formulas and things that you can print out. So if you're like, Yo, I got a lot of ideas, but I don't know which one I should go after first. Or I don't really know what I'm passionate about. How can I find my passion? Or I'm, I got fear for public speaking. How do I overcome that? So like whatever, your, whatever those things are, we got worksheets that can help you. So you can print those things off and like start going through them yourselves to hold yourself accountable to start making yourself better. So I would say neversettle.tv is the website, at Mario Armstrong on Instagram, and then um, Never Settle Show on YouTube.
1: I love it, man. Mario, thank you so much for being on this Teenage Impact podcast for the 60th interview. Really do appreciate you. And you dropped some gems today. So thank yeah. you, brother. I
0: mean, look, man, at the end of all of this,
1: you're either going to say,
0: I wish I did something, or I actually did that something. Uh huh. So at the end, people, you know, Look Look at you for, for, for inspiration. At the end of this, you're going to say, yo, I could have said, I wish I had that podcast, or I wish I started it. Or you will be able to say, I did launch that podcast. And at the end of the day, man, when it's all said and done, that's what it comes down to. It's not more difficult than that. You will either say, I wish I did it, I wish I tried it. I wish I wasn't worried about being embarrassed. I wish I wasn't looking for acceptance. I wish I would have built myself. I wish I would have did that thing. Or you could say, yo, I tried that thing. Or I succeeded at that thing. Or I learned from that thing and then I succeeded. Like, I did. So what do you want to be? That's all I'm going to say at the end of this, homie. Like, what do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that's wishing? Or do you want to be the one that can say, yo, I did it? You choose your destiny. It's, it's, it's your call, and I'm telling you, you, got people like you and people like me trying to help you out. So don't say we're not trying to help you because we're right here, re- willing to go to battle to help you be the best person you can be. Hey man, it's been an honor to be on your platform. Really, I respect what you do. I respect I your audience. You, thank you. I know you got a lot of people, and especially young people right now that are listening to this. And I hope that I was helpful in some meaningful way to you, young people, because you are our strength. You are what I do this for. You are a rock. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you agree with some of the things or disagree with some of the things, that's cool. I'm not here to judge you on that. I'm here to say, have your opinions, stand firm in what you believe in, and just do some action. And I will
1: always have your back. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, brother. Love you, man.
1: Love you. One takeaway I want you to get away from interviewing Mario Armstrong. This one thing, if you recognize this one takeaway it could completely change your life and that is you must recognize your gift it doesn't matter if you have to work 10 times harder than everyone else it doesn't matter if you come from a rich family and things were given to you if you don't recognize your gift you're not going to live up to your full potential it doesn't matter if you're born into a rich family If you don't pursue this one gift and give it your all, there's only so far you can go in life. So in order to recognize this one gift you have, you may recognize it right away that you realize that you don't have to work as hard when you're pursuing this one gift. Or maybe you have to go through several iterations and pursue and take action for many years on certain goals until you recognize that one gift. But once you do recognize that one gift, don't just, don't ignore it. Because if you ignore that gift, then you're committing robbery. Because when you pursue that one gift, you're gonna be doing service to other people because now people are gonna be looking up to you for inspiration. I realized I had a gift for speaking as soon as I joined Toastmasters. And as soon as I started winning speech competitions, I realized, hey, now, I had a weakness, and I turned it in, into my greatest gift. I provide to people. If you haven't done so already, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, join Teenage Impact email list. I will provide you personal, with personal stories I have been through, tips that you can use in your your own life. I'm going to provide you with uh, free ebooks, free advice. I'm going to provide you with different promotions I have going on that you don't want to miss out on. So go to visit www.teenageimpact.com. If you're not following me on Instagram, follow me at Shlomo Salson. DM me if you do have any personal questions. And until next time, peace.